Thank you, Tim and choir, for that beautiful anthem. And uh, Melissa, thank you for your help today as well. It really is a privilege to be with you today, though certainly not under these circumstances. I, I know you join me in praying that both Andy and Beth will be better soon. Uh, as a matter of fact, last Sunday I did the same thing. I preached for one of our pastors who got sick at the last moment, and I filled in for her as well. I want you to know that Andy and I have been friends for a number of years, and we share something in common, and that is we both served the Ripley and Blue Mountain United Methodist Churches uh, up in North Mississippi. In fact, uh, years ago, Andy invited me and my wife Susie to come back to Ripley to visit one Sunday while he was pastor there. Uh, I, I know that he looks forward to getting back into a normal rhythm of work and worship with you this week. You were supposed to begin a new sermon series today on This We Believe. Obviously, that's not going to happen with me here today, but it is the season of Epiphany. Epiphany, that time at the beginning of each church year when Jesus' identity is being made known, it's being manifested to people in different ways. And our scripture reading for today is going to be one of the texts for Epiphany. It's found in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. If you have your Bible, uh, feel free to turn there. And as you are able, I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Uh, this may sound a little different uh, because I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So if it differs from yours a little bit, they still should be close. As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, though other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat. It began to fill with water. Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. So the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked the disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Thank you. A few years ago, a dear friend of ours who lives up in Tennessee called, and he called to tell us an unusual story, something that happened to him. He said, a few nights ago, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I smelled something strange. Smelled something strange, didn't know what it was, but he said that in my half-asleep, half-awake state of mind, Somehow, he got it in his head that his house was being attacked by terrorists, okay? Uh, so, uh, he thought not only was his house being attacked by terrorists, but they were attacking him out of all the people in the United States 
with poison gas. Okay? So he woke his wife up, who jumps up, begins to run from window to window looking out, only to discover there are no terrorists attacking us. And the more she woke up, the more she realized what the problem was. It wasn't terrorists, it wasn't poison gas, but a skunk that had gotten up under their house and had let loose, and this is what they were smelling, okay? So our friend called to relate this unusual story to us, and together we had a big laugh. We laughed so hard that our sides hurt, okay? And we laughed at, oh, what a fool you are, you know, to, to become so afraid that you would react that way. But then a few days, not long after that, we were out and we decided to stop at Walmart. We needed to pick up some distilled water. And when we got to that section of the store, we discovered that the shelves were completely bare. That water of all kinds, water of all sizes, it was completely wiped out. The store was stripped clean of all the water. And we were a bit confused and and began to think to ourselves, what's going on? So we stopped one of the Walmart employees and we asked them, and he said, where have you been? He said, the government, uh, this was, remember, a few years ago, government has issued an increased level of warning about possible terrorist attacks. They're advising everybody right now to keep bottled water and duct tape and plastic sheeting on hand, and people are stocking up on this because they're afraid it's going to happen right here where we live. And then suddenly, our conversation with our friend a few days before wasn't so funny because right here where we live, we came face to face with fear. You know, there are a lot of people who are afraid these days of lots of things. Fear, it's become such a constant part of life. We're afraid today of extremism, be it on the right or be it on the left. We're afraid of violent crime, aren't we? We're, we're afraid of COVID when, when we all lived under the shadow of COVID, not knowing exactly what it was or what it would do to people. We were afraid, and now we're afraid of the unknown. We're, we're especially afraid of the unknown about the future, the future of the church, the future of the nation, the future of the world. Lots of people are fearful these days, and much fear, I'm just going to say it, is being fueled by social media. You know, stories that get put online that are passed off as reality and people believe them and they become afraid. So what is it that scares you? What do you fear most today? Well, the scripture for this morning, it's about fear. And and we're actually given a glimpse of people who are caught up in being afraid and Not only are these people, they're not just any people. They're disciples of Jesus. And and what we're told is that a peaceful trip across the Sea of Galilee at the end of a long day suddenly turns into a nightmare because of a sudden storm. 
And these disciples on board this boat with Jesus are staring death in the face. And they are afraid. And I wonder this morning, how do we respond when we become afraid? How do you respond to fear? Well, there are lots of ways, obviously, to do that. But there are three very common responses to fear. One of them is paralysis. Fear can paralyze people to the point where we can't function any longer. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the Civil War, and uh, I know that in our part of the world, a lot of people are Civil War buffs. And, and I came across this interesting fact a few years ago about the Battle of Gettysburg. Uh, Gettysburg was one of the most terrible conflicts ever in the history of the world. 50,000 who are killed in three days of fighting. And uh, researchers discovered something interesting, and that is that after the battle was over, when the battlefield began to be cleared of bodies and weapons and debris and everything, they discovered that many of the rifles, the muskets used by, by both sides, Union and Confederate alike, had been rammed, loaded with multiple uh, bullets and uh, musket balls without the trigger ever being pulled. That, that in their fear of being in battle, they never shot, but they kept reloading. They were, in a way, paralyzed there on the battlefield. Fear took over. And I don't know whether you've ever been paralyzed by fear. I think I have. But we, we become paralyzed by fear to the point we can't think straight. We can't act straight. We lock ourselves behind doors and walls. We, we can even refuse to go out. And the bottom line is that we shut down and we stop living. That's what happened when fear paralyzes us. We're afraid to go into the world around us. But on the other hand, maybe it's not paralysis that we respond with. Maybe we respond by running away. There's an ancient instinct. You know this from, from school and science. It kicks in whenever we get frightened. And that instinct is fight or flight, right? And if we quickly realize, uh, I'm not going to be able to fight my way out of this situation, then we resort to flight. Uh, in fact, running away is probably the most common reaction that people have to fear. I remember uh, back when I was in high school, I was dating a girl who's not my, who was not my wife at the time. We lived fairly close to each other, and I would go over to her house on Saturday evening. This was the big thing to do in those days, watch a scary movie together, okay? And then walk home. And uh, on this particular night, it took longer to watch the movie than I thought. I was walking home. It was close to midnight. It was dark. And then, out of nowhere, a dog begins to howl. You know, and I can tell you this hair stood up on my head, I took off running because I was so afraid. And it happens to all of us. Sometimes we just run because it's the only thing we can think to do. 
I don't know if you have Netflix or not. I'm a big movie fan. We have Netflix in our house. And a couple of weeks ago, I watched a Netflix documentary called The Volcano. Uh, maybe you've seen it. If not, if you have Netflix, I highly recommend it. It's based on a true story of a group of tourists who three years ago last month, December of 2019, took a boat ride off the coast of New Zealand to a volcanic island. The problem is, and they didn't have a clue this was going to happen, while they were there, the volcano erupted. Uh, most of the documentary is actually video from various group members' cell phones. And, and we learn that when the volcano erupted, almost everybody instantly knew what was happening. Some of them froze. Some of them were paralyzed and they died. Uh, but others began uh, instantly to run back toward the the shoreline, the water where their boat was located. Uh, one couple even says, we wanted to run, but our burns from the hot ash were so severe that all we could do was stumble our way back to the water. I've got a feeling that in the scripture today, the disciples were the ones who wanted to run. That probably would have been what they uh, would have done if they could, but obviously they couldn't. Well, most of us, generally, we respond to fear by being paralyzed and shut down by it or by running away. But I want to just mention a third option that's available to us. Although this third option is more challenging and it's more difficult. And that third option that we have is that we can actually confront our fear. You know, it's been said that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the willingness to go on in spite of our fear. Uh, maybe you've heard of the reality TV show called Fear Factor, in which contestants compete for money and prizes and uh, the catch is you have to put yourself in situations that are designed to provoke fear. So it might involve you're being placed in a container and covered with snakes or spiders or rats. Or maybe uh, you're put in a situation where you're covered with bees or you're taken to a very, uh, very high place you might even be buried alive to see what that feels like. And, and the different uh, fear tests are escalated one after another until contestants start to crack and they give up and only one is left. And obviously the one that's left is the winner. I mention that because if courage is not the absence of fear, but a willingness to confront it and do the right thing even when we're afraid, then how do we find the strength and the courage to move on even when we're afraid? Well, I think the gospel reading shows us here. The terrified disciples in the boat with Jesus 
they're overwhelmed by this situation and they don't know what to do. So when all else fails, you call on the Lord, right? You try to solve it if you can, and then you call on the Lord and they wake up Jesus. And Jesus immediately calms the storm and, and, and he says to them, why is it that you still have no faith? And I want to suggest to you that this is really the key to the story. It's not that Jesus pops up and calms the storm. Of course, he's got the ability to do that. That's part of what, uh, that's this epiphany for the disciples. Who is this man who can calm the wind and the waves? The point is, these disciples are people who have now been with Jesus for a while. They've seen miracles. They've heard him teach. They've personally responded to his invitation to come and follow me. But now they discover that, you know, life with Jesus, it's not all a bed of roses. It's not all sunshine and smiles. Journeying with Jesus comes with risk. And it comes with danger. And this story shows us that following Jesus is not a guarantee to an easy life. If anybody's ever told you that, they lied to you. Don't believe those people. That's not true. The world is a scary place. The storms of life don't always disappear when we like for them to be. But here's the thing. Jesus says, I am with you always. I will be with you even in the storms. And because of me, the kingdom is with you and in you. And God's promise is to be with us through it all. Good and bad, thick and thin, up and down. The greatest hope we have is not a life free from fear. It's not a life free from trouble. The greatest hope we have, folks, is God's assurance that God is with us. This is how we face our fear factor, by relying on God's presence who is with us. There's a singer... Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, some of you may be familiar with him. He wrote a song a few years ago for his daughter's wedding. A song called, I Will Be There. And, and he thought it was an appropriate thing to, to share in that moment. It's about promising always uh, to be by each other. It's not hard to envision when you hear the song to think, well, this is what a, a man would say to a woman. A woman would say to a man, they stand before God and they pledge themselves in marriage. But for me, the words have a deeper meaning. And that is, uh, these words remind God's promise to always be with us. And no matter if the sun doesn't come up in the morning, we'll be there. Uh, if No matter if the stars fall from the sky, God will be there. And what else may happen to us in the end, that's really what we need most. So, brothers and sisters, what are you 
afraid of this morning? What is it that causes you to fear? As we move deeper into this new year, I want to encourage you to take God at His word. Trust that He'll be with you. Trust that God will give you strength for whatever happens. Beginning today. Will you trust Him? Let's pray.